So uh, I'm now going to just, just teach. We're, we're doing a series that for three Sundays in August called Explore Membership. And uh, we, we, we have a members course at King's, and we kind of reworked it a little bit about a year ago. And it struck us that many of us in our church probably did a members course maybe uh, 15 years ago or 10 years ago. And how many of you can actually remember what was said on that course? An encouraging number, I see. Yes, okay. <laughs> So some of you have done it more recently, but what we thought would be really good would be to actually teach it on a Sunday morning, just to remind ourselves of those who are committed members of Kings, what a joy and privilege it is to be part of God's family and his church, so that we can rejoice in that and commit to that afresh. But also, if, if you're new to Kings, or you've been coming in for a few months, and uh, I know there's many, many new people, um, we used to shut our balcony over the summer months, I, I don't know. I don't know where everyone came from, but, um, but, but we'd, we'd love to invite you into this family. Sunday morning is a crowd, but within the crowd is a family. And in a crowd, it's about uh, attending and associating, but in a family, it's about belonging and bringing. And I want to invite you into this journey of, of belonging, you to others and others to you, and bringing your gifts, your service, your love into this family. So this is the first session. At the end of the course, by the way, we're going to give everybody a book. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, which is newly written, and it it, it tells you everything that we're going to say. And uh, if you attend all three and you'd like to step into church membership at King's, being part of this family, you can uh, come to our house, uh, Julie and I, our house, for, for a meal, and we can talk about how that can happen. So this is the first session I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Luke is going to do the next session, and then Chris will do the final session with the three elders of Kings. Um, and this first session is called God's Story, Our Story, Your Story. And here's the thing about life, your life, if you're a Christian, the, 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 the life is this wonderful intersection of God's amazing grace, his story, the church that you belong to, a a, a church story. We're going to talk about the story of kings, but also your individual story and where you're at on your journey of faith. And if you look around this room, you'll see there's an intersection of lives. None of us used to know each other, but for such a time and a place, God's brought us into life together, to journey together for a season. Perhaps you're here today and you don't even know Jesus yet. Well, perhaps this is the beginning of God's story in your life. And perhaps these people are going to become family to you. That can happen as soon as today. You know, God's plans don't come to pass in a vacuum, but in the ordinariness of normal lives lived together and interacting with one another. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Okay? Uh, Does anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, uh, not our Luke, um, but Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke in the Bible, and, which is the story of Jesus, and he wrote the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church. And we're going to look at something that happens in Acts 16. I'm going to read it, and I want you to see if you spot what happens. Something changes for Luke in these verses, okay? So study carefully. You with me? You ready? Let's go. Right, so... Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed to Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Did anybody spot what happened? What happened for Luke? I'm not going to patronize you and ask. So they became we. Is that right? What does that tell us about Luke? It tells us this, that he wasn't there. He wasn't there when Jesus was born. He wasn't there when Jesus did miracles. He wasn't there when Jesus died on a cross. He wasn't there when Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't there at Pentecost. He wasn't there when the the early church exploded. He became a Christian in Antioch, in in Acts chapter 11. That's where church history, that's that's where he became a Christian. That's where Luke joined the story. It's where his life began to intersect and get interwoven with the lives of Peter and Paul. Acts 1 to 15 It's the story of Peter and John and the Marys and Joanna and Tabitha and Philip and Stephen and thousands more Christians. Acts 16 is where Luke enters the story. Who's Luke? He's a doctor. He's a doctor. Yet the thing that is going to mark out his life isn't going to be his medical talent. It's going to be his commitment and joy in becoming a Christian and serving the world with his writings. You know, we may feel we live in consequential lives. We may look back at Christian history and speak of times old, but there is a moment where you and I step into the story of God's grace. And Luke very literally stepped onto a boat. That was his first act of faith that we see. He says, we got on a boat. Here's a great metaphor for coming into God's family or coming into a church family. It's this, it's when we, we leave our own way of doing things and we step in and onto the boat and we say, well, I don't quite know where we're going, but we're doing it together now. It's not about individualism and just me and my life, but it's about us together going on a journey. Now, the place where Luke became a Christian uh, is, is Antioch. And the very first thing we heard about Antioch, when, it, when, when they became Christians there, they became renowned for the grace of God. Next slide, please, uh, Luana. A guy called Barnabas, he says, when he arrived, so what the grace of God had done. Grace means something undeserved. The grace of God, it means the, the undeserved favor of God, the undeserved blessing. That's what it is to be a Christian, is to have God bless you through the person of Jesus, to have all your sins taken away, to have all the blessings of God given you in Christ, to receive the grace of God. We've been singing about it today. And it's the most wonderful thing about being a Christian. And it's no great surprise that Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, when he was researching, well, here's some of the stories that Jesus told. Luke 15, he's the one who tells these three stories, which talk about the grace of God. Here's the first one. There was a lost coin that a woman searched for and found, and there was rejoicing. There was a lost sheep that got lost and was searched for and got found, and there was rejoicing. And there was a lost son who wandered away by himself, 
and he squandered everything. And he came back, and his father was looking for him. And he welcomed him back, and he threw a party. The the common theme of all those stories is this. Something valuable is lost. A search is made. A discovery that is reunited or, or rediscovered by its owner. And there's a party that follows. Here's the grace of God at work in your life. God threw a party when you became a Christian. Or if you're not a Christian, he's looking for you. He's searching for you. He's carrying you. He's calling you. You know, I read a story in the news this week. It was about a guy who, um, uh, he, he was a, like an IT guy. He did some Bitcoin mining on his computer about 15 years ago. I don't know if you saw this story in the news. And uh, it was back when Bitcoin was a new thing. Like, it's a virtual currency, if you don't know what it is. And it's worth loads of money these days. Well, he threw away his old laptop or, or, or device, and it, it went into landfill. And then he realized recently that, that this, his hard drive had the equivalent worth these days of 150 million pounds of Bitcoin on it, and he'd thrown it away. (laughs) That's hard, isn't it? Do you know what he's done? He's launching an all-out rescue effort to retrieve his hard drive. So he's offered to pay the council 15 million pounds if he will have access to the landfill with robots and devices that will search for his hard drive He'll, he'll literally search, with, with computers, search through everything to find this thing. I mean, the council being the council is like, yeah, we'll think about that. It might take a while to decide. But here's, here's the thing. An all-out rescue effort to find that which is valuable. Do you know what's valuable to God? Human beings. And Jesus was willing to come to, to the, the difficulty and the violence and the, the destruction of planet Earth to rescue that which was lost, you and me. And he puts us in community together. It's the story of God. Here's the other part of the story of God, that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So here's part two of the story. He rescues us and then he puts us together into this thing called church. It's the story of God. And it's the story of kings and it's the story of me and it's the story of you. Let me tell you a little bit about the story of kings. Uh, I'll, I'll start by just saying a little bit about my, my story first. I, I became a, a Christian when I was a teenager. And um, I had Christian parents and, and Christian home, which was a real blessing because I, I got to learn a lot of this stuff at home. But it was, it was when I was at school, at secondary school, and a Christian chemistry teacher by the name of John he had about half a dozen boys in, in a room, and he told us about Jesus. And I thought, oh, I understand it now. And I became a Christian, and it was the best thing that ever happened. And uh, I, so I started to follow Jesus. I started to go to a different church. And I, I then um, went to university a couple of years later. And um, that, two really great things happened at university. I went to university in Newcastle. Firstly, I met Julie, which was amazing. And uh, we got married. And... The second great thing was this, that I fell in love with the church of Jesus. And I started to fall in love with this thing, that God had called us together. And Julie and I, we served in that church in Newcastle for a number of years, pretty much in any way that was needed. Sometimes we led stuff, sometimes we just put out chairs, whatever was needed, we learned to do. And we felt restless, but then 
uh, in about 2001, 2002, uh, some leaders of that church, Matthew and Anne Clifton Brown, they, 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 they said to Julie, I said, well, we're going to go church planting in Edinburgh. Do you want to come with us? And you could lead a bit and you could do some preaching. And I was like, well, we, we thought about that. We prayed about that. And we, we said, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like something that God's putting on our heart as well. So we and about a dozen people moved here from Newcastle to help start what became King's Church. And of that original crowd, I think uh, Phil and Karen Capon are still here. Uh, maybe one or two others. Um, but, um, but God taken different ones of us to different places for different things since that time. And uh, Matthew and Anne recently moved to Liverpool. And uh, so in 2002, there was, a, there was a dozen of us and we met in a home. We... Uh, we, we didn't have any promises. Uh, we, we didn't have any premises, but we did have some promises from God. <laughs> that came out wrong, didn't it? Um, <laughs> we had a little bit of faith, and we had a lot of fun. And we met in a home, and the adults would meet in the lounge. And it was in Pennycook, actually. The adults would meet in the lounge, and the kids' work would happen in the kitchen. There was no risk assessments in those days. <laughs> Nobody thought, you know... The kitchen maybe isn't the safest place for the young children to play with the knives and the food blenders. But, but, but we, we, just God's grace was on us, and he added people to us. And we moved out of the house, and we started renting a tennis center in Craig Lockhart. and had a room there, and then we, we outgrew that. And then we, we, the only place we could find was the sixth-story lecture theater of Napier University, Merkiston Campus. Anybody ever been there? No, probably not. Okay, there you go. Yes, Dave Thresher. He was here at the start. That's right. Sorry, Dave. Um, and... Uh, uh, and we, we, we thought, I mean, it was six flights of stairs with the PA equipment every week. And we thought, nobody will find us here. But then other students started coming and other people started coming. The, the main age of the church was under 30 in those days. And people kept joining and coming. And then we moved to, we, we rented a room at St. Thomas of Aquin's Catholic High School in Tollcross, and our welcome team would smile at people together with a picture of the Pope above their heads as people would come in. And excitingly, people would get saved, and a number of students started coming along and started getting discipled and following Jesus. Uh, in 2007, we, uh, we had a word spoken over us by a guy called Guy Miller, uh, who's a, a well-known leader. And he spoke about our church. We were only about 100 people, or maybe less at that point. But he did a weekend away with us, and he said, he said I really sense that God isn't calling you just to be a local church but to be a church that sends people to other places and to send, people not in, just, to send people into your community to care for the poor, but also to send people to the nations of the world and to preach the gospel with power and go to the nations. And even though we, we thought, well, this, this is way beyond us as a, as a word, we thought, well, yes, Lord, we believe you if that's what you're wanting to do with us. And we brought a small building across town around that time that we used for offices and prayer meetings. And as, almost as soon as we'd settled into it and done the finishing touches, we had a word from a, a prophetic person called uh, Julian Adams. And he said, he's, he's well known for his prophetic gift. And he said, he said to us as elders, he said, I feel, I feel that God has a building for you. And we were like, hey, Julian, we are ahead of you on this one. We have just bought a building. And he says, no, no, I feel that God has a, a big building for you. <laughs> and uh, we said, well, that's great. We don't have any money or anything like that. So, and, and we also knew of other churches in Edinburgh that were looking for buildings. And I've known churches that have looked for buildings for years. But do you know what? On the back of that word, we just did a Google search 
Churches for Sale, Edinburgh. <laughs> and this place popped up. We thought, oh, there's a church for sale. And uh, we actually checked with one or two other churches who were looking for buildings. We said, well, are you guys going to buy this? Because we feel like God might be leading us. And they said, no, we're not going for it. And, and uh, so we, we ended up buying this building. Cut a long story short, we paid £400,000 for this enormous building, which was cheaper than the flat next door. God really favoured us, and also the church that sold it to us, Church of Scotland, and, and this, this congregation was a, a small congregation that merged with another congregation, and they really blessed us in that process and favoured us as we bought this building. In fact, one, this is where the stories interweave. One of the members of that old congregation, they had a prophetic dream just as their church was closing. They said, we, we had a dream of this picture being packed full with young people worshipping Jesus. And obviously, they were closing it. They didn't know if it was going to be sold to property developers or what was going to happen. But they were so thrilled that the plan of God was going to carry on in line with the dream that they had had. And some of those became part of our story as well. You know who you are. Um, So uh, over many years, God has done many wonderful things. People have become Christians. People have got baptized in water. People have got filled with the Holy Spirit. People have grown in leadership and serving and spiritual gifts. People have made friends, sometimes lifelong friends. Sometimes people have got married here, having met here. Some of you, you've brought your children up here, and they've known no other church other than kings. And For many of us, we know that the costs of deep community and love for one another. We know what it was, we know what it feels like to to, to face loss when people move away, when people go church planting, or when Jesus calls them home to glory. That's what it is to be a family, right? God has called us to be a base church that helps plant other churches. In 2016, we sent a group of about 30 people over to West Lothian. And these were people who had led small groups and been deeply, deeply devoted to kings over that time. And uh, we we said goodbye to them. There's a church now, Kings West Lothian, that is doing a remarkable job in just sharing Jesus with the communities of West Lothian and Livingston. So we're so thrilled about that. In 2018, we began to look ahead to the next chapter. We we changed some things around. Matthew, who had been leading the team up until that point, I decided it was time to step back from leading, and I stepped forward into leading the eldership team. Kings is led by an eldership team. And, uh, and we, 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 uh, we reworked our eldership at that point. And we're looking ahead to what God has for us. Obviously, COVID came, and that was a bit of a distraction, wasn't it, in many ways? But we just worked through that faithfully. God gave us the grace for it. He gave you the grace for it. But here we are now, and... We feel God's called us to, to be a church that rediscovers what it is to be the family of God, that recalibrates to a great commission mindset to go and share the gospel and plant churches again, and to be a church that receives the Holy Spirit and power. That's what we're buzzing with right now. But, you know, we're, we're a church that loves the Bible. We love the Spirit. We love Jesus. We're a church that wants people to come into God's family. We're a church that wants to start new churches and halt the decline of Christianity in our nation. We feel responsibility not just for us, but for the whole of Scotland. We cheer on every church that's different to us if if they're seeking to help people meet Jesus and teach them how to follow him. There's a, if you've been following the Ruth series over the last 
few weeks, there's a line that appeared in the video every week, which just caught me every time, when it talked about Ruth and her family. And as Tacony read it each week, it would be, what will become of this, uh, what will become of this ordinary family? It's the question I ask about kings all the time. Lord, what are you going to do with this ordinary family? Maybe I'm thinking to myself, I know some of you are more than ordinary. You're great. But, but what will God do through this family? You know, kings is a family, but kings is part of a family of churches called New Ground. And New Ground is part of a family of churches called New Frontiers. And we're all helping and cheering each other on all of the time because we want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And God works through family. Have a moment just to think. What, how did your life intersect with God's story and with the story of King's Church? It could be you're sitting here for the first time. Well, that, that's an easy one to answer. But just have a think for a moment. What is it? How did God show his grace to you? And how did your life become so entwined with those in your small group and those around you? Let's take a moment to think. We'll move on to the next moment. Great, we might get to come back to that at the end. So here's, here's, some of you are thinking, you know, everybody loves a story, right? Everybody loves being part of a story. Everybody loves being the hero of a story, particularly. But... Here's the question that many of us would ask, and I've heard so many times, every time we say, hey, do you want to become a member of Kings? Here's the number one answer that we get back from people who aren't saying, yes, I'd like to. Number one answer is this, well, why? Why do I have to? Why can't I just be part of the story without formally becoming a member? Is that, is that something that you've ever asked the question? No, okay, we'll move on to the next thing. That's fine. Um, no, I, I, I've heard that question enough times to know that we need to just park here for a second. So why do we do this thing called membership? Some people will say, well, the word membership isn't in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament as a word that you must become a member. It's not a directive. But the the principle of it totally is. And in this very individualistic culture in which we live today, it's very important that we read the Bible and understand it as it was written to its original hearers and that we apply its truths into our lives as they would have done. So here's just five things about why It's right to step into membership. First thing is this, that church is a family where we belong. Jesus makes us family. So there's a verse here, Romans 8. It says, for those God knew, he also predestined. Uh, Back one, please, Luana. For those God knew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Conformed to the image of his son, that's about you and Jesus, right? But that he might be the first one of many brothers and sisters. This is who we are. This is who he's called us to be. Now, the thing about brothers and sisters is they know each other. Is that right? (laughs) That we're called into relationship with each other. Sunday morning is a crowd. Within the crowd is the family. We want Sunday mornings to be an open door for anybody to come. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or you believe entirely different things to us, we're really glad you're here. And we wouldn't want to sort of have a red light at the door saying, only come in here if you agree with us. And you say, well, what, what do you say? Well, no, we want Sunday to be an open door. So that means by necessity, there must be a defined thing called the family of God within the Sunday gathering. 
And that's why membership is important. Here's the second thing. Uh, the implications of the New Testament teaching are that Christian life is lived in church, close church community. Acts 2.42, it says of the very first Christians in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. It wasn't casual. It wasn't just tip up when you want. Uh, here's a, a quote from Terry Virgo, who uh, was the, the very start of New Frontiers. He, he founded um, the very first church in that, led the first church in that. If you go to the next slide, please. He said, those who believed were continually together. God's alternative society with a new center of gravity lived in church and visited world, not living in world and visiting church. So here's the thing. God's called you to the, this thing that has meaning, so much significance in your life, that it feels like this is more your life than the thing you do on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Because God's brought us to do this together. Here's the third reason why membership. For us to grow as Christians, we must recognize and receive leadership gifts and other gifts, right? That's, that's logical. But we, we must recognize, well, here's people who I recognize their gifts and I'm receiving their gifts. For care and discipleship to be meaningful, those who are doing the roles of caring and discipling need to know the people who are looking for that. And by becoming a member, you're saying, yeah, I, I want this to be the church where people care for me and where I receive other people's gifts and where my gifts are used as well. Um, at the end of Romans, there's a whole list of names who were personally known to the Apostle Paul in a church there. It just goes through name after name after name. Church is to be a place where we are known and where we know people. Um, if, if you don't recognize anybody as having pastoral leadership in your life, then that can make you a very independent Christian. Now, there can be good reasons why we don't want to do that, because sometimes you might have come from a situation where you've got really hurt by leaders. Now, when something goes wrong, it doesn't mean that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It means that we learn to trust again. And the safeguard Interesting is this, that churches must be led by servant-hearted leaders who care about the church more than they care about themselves. And that's always been a preoccupation for us as leaders and kings, that we're here not... It, any hint of leaders being put on a pedestal here, we literally pull the rug out as soon as it happens because we, we just... We, we want to be a church where leaders serve. If you're going to be a leader in kings, you're going to be somebody who serves the needs of the body and serves the needs of the church... That's what God's called us to do. Here's the fourth reason um, why membership. Because church is the dwelling place of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, we're living stones built together. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and, Christ, and God's spirit lives in your midst? Your stones, you need to find your place in the wall if this is going to become a holy dwelling to God, where God lives by his spirit. Fifthly, um, next slide, please. Church is a body where every part is interdependent on the other part. That's probably the, the best known of all the images in the New Testament of church, the body of Christ. 
every part is dependent on another part. And uh, if, if I was to talk to my body and just check that everybody was on board today, if my arm suddenly said, actually, I'm not fully with you, I'm just doing my own thing, it would be for a strange message that we'd make today, wouldn't it? And the whole point is this, we're together, we're aligned. Okay, so, um, so that's why membership. Membership is a commitment to doing life together, the highs and the lows, both in Sundays and in small groups where we gather. You know, there's 59 encouragements in the New Testament to, to one another, people to love one another, to forgive one another, to admonish, to cherish one another, all these things. All of those things get worked out in church family when we do stuff together. I'd really want to urge you, if you're a member of Kings, to be an active part of a small group within Kings, because that's where this stuff is lived out. That's the place where we can have more meaningful relationships than perhaps we can on a Sunday morning where we do so so many other wonderful things. Um, Membership is a commitment to discipleship, to being willing to learn and unlearn, able to receive the spiritual authority of those God has put in leadership. It's a commitment to the beliefs, vision, values, and priorities and plans of the church. The crowd is about attending and associating. Membership is about belonging and bringing. Let me just finish by just giving you a sense of trajectory of where we'll be going for the next two sessions. So we, about maybe a year, year and a half ago, as elders, we sat down and said, well, how do we, what are we here for? Why are we here? What's our reason for being as a church? Let's work out from that point. And we ended up with this really uh, rather unglamorous statement, which kind of just basically says what a church is. But really important that we just dig into it for a moment, and then uh, Luke and Chris will define more of this, what means for us in the following sessions. So the, the phrase is this, that King's Church, we're here to experience Jesus in community and demonstrate his love to Edinburgh and everywhere. So here's a few headlines. We're an experienced church, right? We're not just a head knowledge church. We're not just a believing church. We're people who believe that we can experience the presence of God. In worship today, we believe that God was with us, that he was speaking to us. We're people who love scripture. We believe in the authority of scripture. We treasure the word of God, but we believe in the active leading of the Holy Spirit for today as well. We expect God to be with us. It's about experiencing Jesus Now, Jesus is just one member of the Trinity, but he shows us all of the Trinity, right? Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible says there's no other name by which we can be saved, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and we talk about him a lot because it's through Jesus we access the Father and receive the Holy Spirit. But also because it's about Jesus, we live for Jesus. To be a Christian is to live for him. We're going to look at what it means to to follow Jesus as our saviour, and our Lord. It means obeying his word. It means that we're submitted, to follow Jesus means that we're submitted to everything that he says. On every issue, from salvation to sex, from giving to going, whatever he says is what we teach and practice. Now, that comes with a warning. When you come to the next session, there might be things, you know, I don't agree with that. And just to say, there were times when 
people walked away from Jesus because they didn't like what he was saying and the implications of it. We're not trying to win a popularity contest as, popul- as, as followers of Jesus, but we, do, we can't risk being anything other than obedient to him and treasuring his word. Uh, experiencing Jesus in community. Kings is a community of diverse people, ages, stages, ethnicities, nations, demographics, but we're all one in Christ. And we're gathered across the city and in small groups and in loving, genuine community. That means loving and serving one another. If we're going to be community, it means loving people who are different to us. Some people say, well, you know, I've got my community. (coughs) If I was to ask you, well, who your community is, often it's the same as your friends. That's very different than being part of a church family where we have to learn to get along with people who aren't quite our cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because actually, we're all different to each other, but when we love one another and we lay our life down for one another, we find this remarkable thing called the family of God at work, the community of God. If you're a member of Kings, we'll constantly challenge you to live your life in community, to go deeper in friendships, to align your life to the teaching of scripture, and to grow in your grace gifts through serving others. He's called us to community, uh, uh, to experience Jesus in community and demonstrate his love. The demonstration of God's love in Christ happens in three ways, through the word of God being preached, that's the gospel, through the works of Jesus, that's care and active love in our communities, caring for those in need, and through wonders, word works and wonders, miracles, praying for the sick, praying that God will heal. We want to be a church that demonstrates his love in every way. To Edinburgh and everywhere. So God wants us to share the gospel with this massive city that we live in. And he wants us to be active in going to the ends of the earth. He wants us to be a church that plants churches. For that to happen, we need to train leaders. We're going to do a course called Grow in a couple of months' time because we want everybody to get involved in this journey of taking steps in leadership so they could be part of the journey and the story of what God wants to do through this church in times to come, learning to identify their gifts and take responsibility. God has called us to be a going people. Many have gone from us over years. We have a couple, the Duggans, planting a church in Canada at the moment. We sent somebody to Berlin to help plant a church there. We sent another couple, uh, Tom and Tineke Kleinhout, to plant a church in The Hague, and now they're planting again in Rotterdam. We sent out a whole group of people to West Lothian some years ago. We're at the beginning of our journey of filling Scotland with the glory of God by his grace, by being a church that, uh, that, that, that hears the call of God and responds in faith to what he's calling us to be. So we'll talk in times to come about serving and giving and caring for others and small groups and and following Jesus, what that looks like. All of that is to come. So please come back (laughs) next week for the next installment. I'm going to pray briefly just now, but I'd love us to do something. I'd love us in this final five minutes, we're not going to sing a song, I would love us to just turn to one another. And the question I asked you earlier about, well, how did your life get to this point? How did you get to follow Jesus? And how did you get to intersect with King's Church? 
I'd love us to just turn to a couple of people and say, well, just, why don't you just, just share our story for a moment? You can be as brief or as... as uh, well, we've, we've literally got three minutes to do it, so brief <laughs> is the answer. You can carry on over coffee if you'd like. We'll, we'll call it to an end. But let's just pray, and then I'll invite you to do that. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your remarkable grace that sought us out and saved us. Lord, we're so grateful. Thank you you carry us on your shoulders. Thank you that you rescued us. We're the sheep, we're the coin, we're that lost son returning home. But Lord, we thank you for this joy of bringing us together into your family. Lord, I pray for those here today who you're calling into this family here. We say, Lord, would you, would you bless them as they take steps? I pray for those who may be from a different church or different part of the country. We just say, Lord, would, would this message help them to just love and serve you better wherever they are too? So, Lord, we love you. We love what you're doing in our lives. And I pray for anyone who doesn't know you yet, Lord Jesus, please would you help them to reach out and trust you right now and to receive your greatest gift. Amen.